Well, I hope that you guys are doing really good this morning. My name is Justin Domino. I am the youth pastor, and I'm really excited about this morning because we have a special guest. Actually, the old youth pastor is here preaching for us this morning. And here's one thing that you know I love about when I came here four years ago, um, when I kind of took over the youth ministry, I thought, this is perfect because these are some tiny, tiny shoes to fill. This is going to be so easy, so easy. No, I'm just kidding. I can say that because he's my brother-in-law. Um, it's a family business that we run here at New Hope. No, I'm totally kidding. But yeah, I'll welcome Mark Katzenberg. Come on up. He's going to be preaching for us this morning. And the reason we brought Mark here with us this morning is because he is planting a church down in Ham Lake called Transform Church. And New Hope is going to be supporting him in that both prayerfully and financially. So we're going to hear a great message from Mark in our Black Ops series, week two of Spiritual Warfare. So Mark, take it away. Thanks, Mr. Justin. And uh, just so you know, Justin, they are size 13. And so it's unlikely you will grow anymore. And... Uh, <clears throat> but when we left four years ago, we prayed and we asked God, that, and I didn't know exactly how that prayer would be, and me would show up on, on scene here at New Hope, and I didn't know exactly how that prayer would be answered until Justin showed up, and you guys are blessed to have Justin. Let's get here for Justin. He is so awesome, and uh, love, love that I get to keep a little pulse on what is happening at, at New Hope from a distance, and so uh, if... I look familiar to you. It's because you were here more than four years ago. If you've never seen me before, it's because you're new within the last four years. And uh, so my wife and I, we, we came here in 2010, and, and I became the youth pastor at, at New Hope when it was still at the high school. And uh, we were just, we were pups at the time. We got married in July and, and started at uh, New Hope in August of 2010. And we, it should not have happened because I didn't necessarily fit the mold uh, that Pastor Bill was looking for. Uh, Pastor Bill came and met me and he drove a motorcycle to meet me and I drive a moped, okay? And uh, he has tattoos and I had a comb over, okay? And I wasn't exactly what he was looking for, on the outside anyway, but there was something that resonated between both of us, and that was a desire to see lost people know Jesus Christ. And uh, that resonated, and, and I felt that passion from him, and uh, was able to come here for five years, my wife and I both, and uh, life looks a little bit different for us now than it did way back then. Uh, we've got three, three little, little ones now, and so life is busy and life is crazy, but, but four years ago, I stood here on this stage, and we said, we're leaving, and the reason we're leaving is because we kind of have the church planting bug, and we have some work to do and some experience that's needed before we do it. And so I've been at a church in Ramsey for the last four years as an associate pastor, kind of got back down into the suburbs and got established. And sure enough, here we go. This fall, we will plant a transformed church. So it's finally happening. And uh, that would never have happened apart from... That would not have happened apart from our experience at New Hope. And the multiplication mindset of Pastor Bill and the staff and the church as a whole. So uh, it's a pleasure to be back here. And, and Pastor Bill asked if I would come and continue in the Black Ops series. And so he said, you're going to speak on spiritual. You will figure it's Father's Day and you could talk about the church and you've got 20 minutes to do it and you will figure it out is what he said. So let's do it. Ephesians chapter six is kind of the bulk of uh, where we'll be today. 
And each week you're looking at uh, something different in this Black Ops series. Today we're going to get to kind of the, the first piece of it, the belt of truth we'll talk about in a little while. But I want to just kind of bring you up to speed on what the Apostle Paul is talking about in chapter 6, why this topic of, of spiritual warfare and black ops. And this is at the very end of the letter of Ephesians. And that's why he starts in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. He says, finally, like this is the last finally. He's landing the plane. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I need you to notice a few phrases in here. Number one is uh, stand in his mighty power. Not our mighty power, not somebody else's, but his, meaning God's mighty power. And then put on the full armor of God. Not your own armor, not something you bought at the store. Put on the armor of God. And I need you to hear this right out of the gate. These verses are less about what you need to do and more about what has already been done for you, okay? We oftentimes come here and we think, okay, what do I need to do next? What's the next thing I need to do? But these passages are oftentimes more about embracing what has already been done for you and living in that. It's possible to think and read these verses and say, okay, I need to become more like Jesus in order to defeat Satan in my life. But rather, the opposite is probably true. I need to stand confidently in the victory that has already been won at the cross and take on what's been offered to me by Jesus in his victory. Colossians 2.15, the same author writes this, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. I understand it's already over. So here's the big idea. This, this war that we're in, we've got to understand it's already over. Jesus won the victory at the cross. God is, has triumphed over the enemy. And yet we, of course, live in kind of an in-between time. He's not yet come back to fully change things. And, and yet the cross is in the rearview mirror. So we, we have a real enemy and we have a real problem, but we've got to understand the battle's already been won. So in verse 12, he talks about the real enemy. Ephesians 6, 12, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, meaning it's not against people, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So you have an enemy. And contrary to what we were told week in and week out, our enemy is not a political agenda that we disagree with. It's not the political right. It's not the political left. It's not a religious ideology that we disagree with. It's not a person at work that you really don't like and they really don't like you. It's not your spouse, no matter how it went this morning to get to church, right? It's not your former spouse. They aren't the enemy, you have an enemy, and it doesn't look like people. It looks like spiritual forces. His name is Satan. His minions are, are demons, and they are real. And I have news for you. They know your address. They know where you live. They know where you work. They know what your family looks like. They know you because it's happening around us. Now, I think there's two kind of pitfalls that we can fall into when, when thinking about spiritual warfare and demons and devils and such. One is that uh, we, we're, we're far in this ditch, which means we are searching constantly. We are on the lookout for every devil under every bush. 
And so you're walking around all day long looking where there's going to be another one that's going to hop out at you. And you are distracted because you are on the offense looking for a, a, a battle to fight. And I don't think that that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul imagined for us when he talked about spiritual warfare, is that we would constantly be looking for a battle to engage in. Because oftentimes what will happen is then we just excuse ourselves and we say, Satan made me do it. I, I am not responsible. Like if I forgot to pick my kids up from school, and my wife calls me, she says, why did you forget to pick the kids up from school? And I say, I don't know, Satan made me do it, okay? <laughs> I don't know about you, but that has never worked for me. That, just, that line does not, it doesn't compute. So the reality is we can fall in a ditch on one side, which is searching everywhere to fight some battle, but the other ditch is just as dangerous, and that's this. Acting as if there is nothing else happening in the universe beyond what you can touch and see. And maybe that's where you fall more often, is in this, this mindset of, there's nothing else going on, there's nothing beyond me, there's nobody that hates me, there's no forces at work behind the scenes, I just get up, go to work, drink my coffee, come home, go to bed, check my phone, and that's it, that's all there is to life. And, and I have news for you if that's what you've thought. There's something happening around you, a battle that's happening around you constantly, with somebody that hates your guts. He hates that you're here today, and he hates your family, and he wants you to be destroyed. He doesn't want you to embrace the victory that's already been yours. He knows what his future holds, but he wants to change what your future holds. And so we, we could fall in one ditch or the other, but uh, what, what we're told to do is put on this full armor of God. So verse 13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Okay, so he, this full armor concept, um, if, you've, if you're not in the military, this may not compute, but uh, Paul was writing this letter from a prison cell. We call this one of the prison epistles. So likely he's writing from Rome in jail and he's, he's potentially chained to a Roman soldier or a guard, or at least, he's, at least he sees them all around. So as he pens these words and he says, the shield and the sword and the belt, he's literally looking at these items that hang off of a Roman foot soldier. And again, I think it's possible to read these verses and say, okay, I'm going to take up these things, I'm going to do these things in order to defeat the enemy. But let me just come back to that earlier point. He's already been defeated. We need to embrace the armor of God, not your own armor, the armor that's given to you in the victory that's already been accomplished at the cross. And in the English version, it's kind of hard to see because it we tend to read these verses individualistically, so every morning I need to personally put this on. And it's not untrue, but it was also written to a whole group, a whole church, a whole uh, body of believers that together, corporately, we need to do this. We need to put this on together and, 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 um, and wear the armor as one body. And so I want to kind of single out one particular group that's in here today. Uh, and it is Father's Day, so I'm going to pick on the dads a little bit. And I am a dad, so we can pick on each other. Um, but I'm convinced that men and fathers are potentially the most under attack in our society. Potenti and, and of course, we are totally unaware that anything would be happening 
Uh, we don't think that there's anything happening in, in a spiritual realm. We just think what, what we see and what we can touch and what is physical is what's happening. And we have been put to sleep by the allures of our culture. And the longest running TV show in our, in our country, uh, I think has won the day. This is uh, Homer Simpson. <clears throat> and Homer loves his couch and he loves his beer and he's lazy and he's passive and he's happy with that. And uh, if you know who his wife is in the series, she's got everything together. She holds the family together. She's got everything under control. But Homer is a joke. And the reality is he's representative of many American men that have been lulled to sleep by an enemy that we don't even know, an enemy that we don't even see. And on this Father's Day, I think there's a challenge to each of us that we have a real enemy and that enemy knows that if we get fired up about the Lord, things change around us. Okay, guys? Did you know that if your son or daughter comes to faith in Christ, there's a 3.5% chance that the whole family will follow Christ and go to church? If uh, the mother in the family comes to faith in Christ, there's a 17% chance that the whole family then will follow and will come to faith in Christ and be involved in a church. If the father in the family comes to faith in Christ, there is a 93% chance that the rest of the family will come to Christ and come to church. Do you wonder why the evil one hates us? Because if he can take us down, he can take down many, many others. And I'm convinced that we're under attack and we're totally unaware of it. So in verse 14, the Apostle Paul tells us what to do in the truth of the gospel. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This is the first piece of armor that you'll look at. And over the coming weeks, you'll look at more of them. And you may have thought, seriously, a belt? Like, couldn't we have talked about something cool today? It's Father's Day. And by the way, belts, fathers, very important to wear a belt at any time, okay? And that was, that's not in the notes. That was a free and extra hint. But this, the belt is actually, the belt is foundational to the Roman soldier. Um, and you say, okay, come on, seriously. But think about this. Apart from the belt, the weapons don't hang on anything. They just fall off. And then even more importantly, Roman soldiers would often have kind of a robe type of thing that they would wear over or under their weapons. And in order to be ready for battle, they had to tuck that robe then into their belt. Otherwise, they would trip and fall on their own robe. So the belt holds multiple purposes, and it actually holds everything together. Uh, if you don't wear the belt, you, none of the weapons work. No, the weapons fall off, or you are not ready because... Uh, nothing is held together or you'll trip on what you have. So the belt is actually the most foundational piece of the Roman warrior. And I'm just going to say something very unpopular. There is an objective truth that we need to believe. And he says this belt of truth. What, it does, it's not just any belt. It's the belt of truth. Jude 1.3 in the New Testament says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. The truth of the gospel, the truth of the belt is this. 
that there is a holy God in the universe that looked upon sinful human beings like you and me, and in love, he sent his sonship to be the sacrifice on the cross for our sins, that we might have a relationship with him. And at the cross, he defeated Satan, sin, and death. And in the resurrection, he proved his authority over death, that you and I might live eternally with him and live here with him as well. This is the truth of the belt that holds everything together. And here's the point. If you don't put the truth on, none of the other weapons work. That is where it's all at. If you don't put that on first, if you don't believe this, if you don't embrace this, if you don't live in it, then none of the other weapons matter. And you might have said, well, come on, of course, this is obvious. We're in church. Of course we believe this. This is not normal, though, folks, for people or for churches to really embrace this truth. John Stott says it this way, just as the world is becoming more aware of its need, the church is becoming less assured of its mission. And the major reason for the diminishing Christian mission is the diminishing confidence in the Christian message. Meaning the reason the churches aren't effective anymore is because we've forgotten the actual message that we believe. Or we've moved past it to other things that we're interested in. We don't see it as foundational. We don't see it as active and and what's necessary for our faith to live on or for our churches to grow, we think it's something that we leave back here and it's a truth that we just move on from and assume and then we forget. And there's a reason why 55,000 churches will close their doors in the next seven years because they forgot the truth or they moved beyond the truth. So you say, well, of course, this is common knowledge. This is not common knowledge. Churches and individuals do not embrace this truth, and we can't figure out why we're not strong enough or why our weapons falter or why we don't grow or change our cities and change our neighborhoods because, well, one, we haven't put on the truth or we took it off and we left it somewhere. The belt of truth is foundational to who we are. And apart from, you don't move beyond it. It's, it holds everything together. In my county, in Anoka County, there are 351,000 people that live in Anoka County. And when given a religious survey, 50% of the population said none in terms of religious affiliation. N-O-N-E. We do not affiliate anywhere religiously. 50%. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a great battle that is being won, and it's And it's being won by the enemy in our culture. And it's being won because churches are empty and churches are closing because the belt has been taken off and the truth is not embraced or it's left behind. And I would say on a personal level, this is why we need to plant more churches. Sociologists would say we need to plant churches at five times the rate that we're currently planting them in order just to stop the backflow of people and churches closing. So we need more churches and we need more people that will embrace the belt of truth and the truth that we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for us this morning, you can't embrace the other weapons of the Black Ops series that are coming in the next few weeks until you first really embrace this belt this truth, this foundational reality of who Jesus is and, and what he's done. And let me ask you a question. 
What is the evidence in your life that you have embraced this truth? What, is, what do people see in you? What have they heard in you? And how have they watched you change and transform over time? That tells us if the belt of truth is on or not. You are not asked to fight this battle alone. Scripture is not telling us in Ephesians chapter 6 to pick up your sword and your shield and your belt. It is saying the battle's already been won. Put on what is another's, which is Jesus's. Put it on and walk in confidence that we don't need to be scared, that we can walk in confidence. Yes, we have an enemy that hates us, but we have a truth that is much, much greater. And when we embrace that and we dive into that, that's when churches change, societies change, neighborhoods change, and that's why we need more churches and individuals that will embrace that truth. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for this, this morning, this great opportunity to be here and look at the first piece of armor in this passage. Thank you, God, for the church called New Hope that is set on this and believes this and is multiplication-oriented wanting to send out people and missionaries and societies, campuses, in order to push back darkness and make a change in our societies. God, I pray that we would embrace this truth together. In Jesus' name, amen.